This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, good morning. And uh, we start the beginning this week of a very special week. And uh, this begins what is known all over the world as Passion Week or Easter Week. And there are billions of people all over the world that will begin to enter into this week to celebrate the most significant historic event that ever happened. And that was that Jesus came to this earth to die for us and that he rose again and we have eternal life. And that's an exciting thing. You can get excited about that truth. Come on. And, uh, you know, we we recognize that... um, that Jesus died for us, but there's 4.4, excuse me, 4.3 billion people out there today on planet earth that don't know that Jesus died for them. And I just want to continually remind us as a church family that there's over 2 million people in the Portland, Vancouver area uh, that don't know Jesus. And we have the wonderful privilege of taking what he's done for us and sharing it with a world that needs him. And so as we enter this week, we're going to be doing a couple of cool things that are a little bit different. Just want to let you know how you can participate and be a, a great part of the journey. Um, starting tomorrow, we're going to actually uh, put out on our website, as well as a social media, a daily devotional that you can follow. So as you walk through Monday through Sunday, you're going to actually see, pray, read about what happened in Jesus's life all the way up to the resurrection. So it's a great devotional thing that you and I can do to just kind of pray every day, read the Bible to find out what was happening every week in this special week and how it applies to you. And then we're going to be doing some great services, Good Friday, on all the campuses, 7 to 8 p.m., Mark your calendar, come out for that. It's gonna be a great, great service. Invite some people, take them out to dinner before or afterwards. It's gonna be an amazing time. Just one hour, uh, you're gonna to wanna to not miss that. And then Sunday morning, you gotta really lean in and hear this, all campuses. We're doing three services on Sunday morning, 9 a.m., not 9.30, 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and noon. So we're going to do three services. They're going to be a little shorter, one hour each, because we want a whole lot more people to come and to hear about Jesus next week. We'll have over 8,000 people in all of our services next week. And come on, you can put your hands together for Jesus on that one, huh? And so we're believing. So help us by inviting some friends and some family, not just invite them, but bring them. Go do a brunch afterwards. I think it'd be a great opportunity uh, for a lot of people to be excited what you're excited about, and that is that Jesus loves them. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Well, today as we start this week or we start this journey, today is known as what's called Palm Sunday. It's known as the triumphal entry. And it's one of the most significant events that is begins to earmark this idea, this whole thing called Passion Week. It was really the inauguration of the kingdom of God. It was an entry point. We oftentimes focus on Easter, but we recognize that there are things that started happening starting today, historically, that had a profound impact upon you and upon me. And so we want to back up and we want to talk a little bit about this idea of Palm Sunday. And when you go to the Bible, you find proportionately that uh, more time is given to this stage of Jesus's life than perhaps any other uh, particular season of his life. It was, it was like everything that eternity was waiting for. It was the culmination 
of the kingdom of God. When you go back and you read throughout the Bible and you read about the major prophets and the minor prophets, you realize that the the four major prophets, the 12 minor prophets, they all talked about this moment. They talked about this day. They foretold that this was gonna actually happen and that it would have a profound impact, not just on the people that were there that day, but upon every human being that ever existed. I mean, this was a significant day. And as this day begins to unfold, and we're going to read about this in a moment, prior to this portion of Scripture, for 2,000 years, the Sadducees, they had been having this ritualistic kind of thing where they would actually leave the temple gate open. And the reason that they would leave the temple gate open is because they wanted the Messiah to come in and to be a part of this thing called the king coming to the city. On top of that, there were millions of people, perhaps up to or over two million people that would come into the city for the time of Passover. So there was a lot of festivities happen and there was a lot of celebration and people were going back and forth with palm branches and there was a lot of things that were happening. In light of all of these crowds and festivities, the Roman Empire and all of the guards and soldiers were on high alert. Previous times, there were different people that came to try to proclaim that they were going to be the Messiah that would come in, and it created a lot of anarchy and revolt. And so they were on high alert. So you've got all this festivity happening. You've got this Roman Empire that's high on guard. The doors are open. All of this has happened. You've got to catch this this morning. Out of tradition, out of religion, but they weren't really expecting Jesus to really, really, really show up. And it's in this context that the triumphal entry actually happens. Because this would be the moment, this would be the time where it really unfolds. Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, would actually show up and he would actually fulfill all of the prophecies from thousands of years prior. He would begin to fulfill them at this moment. And what we find as we look at the story, which is so important to understand, is that they, they didn't expect it. Although they prayed it and read about it and studied about it for centuries, they didn't expect it. Listen to this. They didn't even want it. But what they got is what they didn't deserve. I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about your world, your life. We're moving into this whole thing called Easter week. What is it actually that you're expecting? What is it that you really even want? I think what you're gonna find as you look through this story, it's a whole lot different than maybe how you'd answer it right now as you would at the end of this message. And what you're gonna find is that you get what you didn't deserve. And so I want to read this story this morning, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. It'll be up on the screen. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation version. It says this. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. 
Jesus sent two of them on ahead and said, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone asks you what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them. And he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill, and I want you to hear this because this is such an important key. This took place to fulfill the prophecy, speaking about Zechariah 8. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble. He's riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. He says, tell them what God is thinking. I just want you to just hear that for a second. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of them. Others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. And the people all around him were shouting, and listen, they were shouting, not Zechariah 8, they were shouting Psalm 118. This will make sense in a second. They started shouting, praise God for the son of David, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, praise God in the highest heaven. So they began shouting, it was a celebration, there was this perceived expectation. And it says, and the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, excuse me, with Nazareth in Galilee. I want to pray for a moment. And I'm going to talk about these three things today. Is that they got what they didn't expect. What they didn't want. But what they got was what they didn't deserve. Father, this morning, we ask you to open up our ears to hear what you might say to us today, Lord. Lord, we don't want to treat this week as another tradition, another time around the mountain, just another Easter. Lord, we want to fully acknowledge, recognize, and embrace why you actually came, why you entered the city on that day, what you were bringing to us and to them on that day. And Lord, let us leave here different than we came in. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. How many people here like parades? I mean, I, I love parades. I love the festivities. I love the, the celebration. I love the floats. I love the bands. I love the noise. I love the people. I love the fact that it's just around a lot of commotion. I love to be around busyness. I remember growing up, I got to go to this one parade down in Pasadena when I lived down there. It was the Rose Parade. And there were literally millions of people that lined the streets and these beautiful, gorgeous floats would, would work their way down through the town and the bands and everything would happen and you'd have to show up literally just uh, almost a day in advance to get a good seat. It was this incredible parade. So when I moved to Portland, Oregon, 21 years ago, I heard that this was the town of parades. 
I heard about the Rose Parade. I mean, just the second biggest rose or floral parade in the nation. I mean, I was thinking, man, these guys have it down. I mean, this is an incredible, incredible town. I heard about the Starlight Parade and the hundreds of thousands of people that would line the streets and people would come out and just party and have fun. And then I heard about the Happy Valley Fourth of July Parade. And I thought for sure, they're all kind of in the same category. I'm going, yes, I just, I love parades. This is amazing. Man, I am a parade expert. Done it before, been there, done that. So at the time, I got my two younger daughters together. and we, we had this idea that we were going to make our way down early to find some seats front and center for the Happy Valley 4th of July Parade. When we show up there, again, we get up real early, we get our coats on, our little zippies, and we got our little blankets, so we're going to go kind of mark our territory, and the kids are barely up, we got to hurry up and get there, get a cup of coffee. We show up, and there's like, there's no one there. No, there's one lady walking her dog, but there's no one there, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't want the kids to know, but I'm thinking, well, maybe it's like the wrong day, or... Maybe they meant 9 p.m., not 9 a.m., and maybe I'm on the wrong street, but whatever it was, I'm just, you know, wanting to have faith and just know this is going to be exciting, and thank God I got a good seat, and so we sit down there for a couple hours. I mean, it's just kind of like, Dad, is there a parade? No, it's coming. It's going to be awesome. It's amazing. I asked some guy that was next to me, said, hey, is this the parade place? He goes, yeah, this is it. It's going to be great. I'm going, okay, awesome. About an hour later, there's about 20 people. Maybe about an hour later, there's probably upwards of 100 people. But that day, 21 years ago, that was a lid. 100 people. And we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we look down towards Jackson Hills, coming down Ridgecrest Road, and there's about eight little kids on tricycles. And they got little decorations on them, and they're going back and forth. And I'm thinking, okay. Just telling the girls, no, this is a preamble right here. Now listen, man, there's going to be like jets flying in and there's going to be like these big floats and bands and trucks and everything else, right? And so here come these little kids, and they're kind of going down the little thing. And right behind them is about 10 parents. And they're all throwing candy at the 20 of us, right? And they're just, hey, here's some candy. Go, thanks, but where's the parade kind of thinking, you know? And then behind them was one fire truck with a broken siren. Right? And, and so we're sitting here, we're just, we're watching it go by, and I'm just kind of holding on to my wife's hand, just thinking, okay, surely something's going to happen here. After the fire truck, I tell you the truth. That was it. <laughs> the guy next to me, the same guy, goes, wasn't that awesome? I said, that was the lamest parade I have ever been at in my life. I was lame, capital L, lame. <laughs> Fortunately, now they got maybe 100 kids, two fire trucks. You should go there. We walk in it every year. We throw candy at the people that are on the side of the street going, what is this? We go, no, this is amazing. It's a happy valley, 4th of July, pray. Such is the triumphal entry. They got what they didn't expect. There's millions of people in the city. They're lining the streets. 
What they were waiting for was a Messiah, a military leader to take the throne of David. They were looking for someone that would come in on a white stallion, not on Eeyore the donkey from Winnie the Pooh. I mean, it's just, they're, they're looking for someone that's going to overthrow the dominating uh, uh, Roman government and the Roman Empire, someone that's just going to come in and, and cause a revolution and break through. What they didn't expect was the donkey. Twelve disciples chucking candy at people down the street or hummus or whatever they would have done in those days. They would have done something. <laughs> listen, listen, you got to catch this because I want to go back to... to to our scripture we read, Matthew 11. They wanted a Psalm 118 king. They, they, they were, the scripture says that they, were, they had their streets lined with their palm branches. They were expecting the white stallion, the person who was going to overthrow the government. They're going, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is a Hebrew word that means save us, deliver us. Listen, not deliver them from their personal sin and bondage but deliver them from the Roman government. Now, we expect Jesus to come to figure everything else. Just leave me alone. They wanted a Psalm 118 king. But what Jesus told his disciples to tell them is that God's bringing a Zechariah 8 king. You're bringing a, a, a king that's going to come in on a donkey representing peace. And I'm not going to just come to overthrow the Roman government, which I won't. I'm going to come overthrow the sin and the darkness and the bondage of your life. They got what they didn't expect. Let's talk about you and me for a second. We got what we didn't expect. Jesus shows up in your world and life in probably the least likely way. For me, the last thing I expected, August 1982, 6 a.m. at my doorstep, was an atheist drunk drummer to tell me that he saw an angel and that if I didn't start serving him, that I'd never get another chance. I wasn't expecting that. He came at a, an obscure time and place and Jesus came into my life in a very unusual, unreal way. I didn't expect it. I got what I didn't expect, Jesus. Let me take it one step further. Every day, Jesus comes into your world and life in a way that you don't expect. We pray in part, we see in part, okay, God, I want you to come this way. I'm expecting you to bless me this way. God, I'm expecting this job or this healing or I'm expecting this situation to happen. All of a sudden, it happens completely different. And over here, you kind of go like my Happy Valley parade. You're just kind of going, are you kidding me? But he brought you what you needed, not what you wanted. You got what you didn't expect, but it was the very thing, the very word that God was bringing to you to transform your life. I don't want that. I don't expect that. He wants to come and bring a Zechariah 8 king to your life where he comes and invades your world and your life and your circumstances to transform you, not just all of your external things. They got what they didn't expect. 
here's the second thing that we see in the story is they, they also got what they didn't want. I mean, when you really think about it, I mean, the religious leaders, they didn't want Jesus. They wanted to kill him, ultimately did. They didn't want Jesus coming in and confronting their elitism and their religious ways and laws. Jesus would even then go in and upside down and turn all of their tables in the temples. They wanted to kill him. The people, as we just talked about, they wanted an imperial king. They, they, they weren't looking for a king to come in and invade their world. When we think about the triumphal entry, what Jesus wasn't just coming into a city, he was coming into the, the hearts of mankind. He was taking this external kind of idea about God and religion, and he wanted to bring the kingdom in you. And here's the kicker. Both of those groups of people, whether it was the religious leaders, the people, they wanted somewhat or an element of this kind of a king, but they wanted it on their terms. They just wanted it on their terms. I want a Psalm 18 king. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. I don't want Zechariah King. When I think about my personal life, I think where I'm at too, and let me just be real honest, I want God in certain areas of my life. There's areas I don't want him in. Can we be honest? See, see when we read the Bible and we, we look at all the scriptures, we want peace. Come on, wave at me, you want peace. But Jesus, I want peace, I want forgiveness, I want hope, I want love, I want blessing. We read the Bible and go, more, Lord, more, Lord. We get out the, the big palm branches, Jesus, Jesus, please. But we don't want to read about the part of Jesus that invades your life and world of things you're unwilling to give up. Hey, let, let me just bring up a couple. Holiness. Please more, Lord, holiness. You don't want holiness. We're a bunch of carnal, selfish people. We want Jesus in this area. Don't want him right here. How about this one? Sacrifice. Isn't that awesome? How many just want to sacrifice everything? Just sell everything, give up everything, do everything. No hands. Okay, I got it. We're, we're on the right track. What about this one? I love this for our society today. What about submission to authority? We have a society today that says, you have no right to tell me anything about my life. That's the, the pervading part of our culture. But God comes to tell you, you're not your own. You were bought with the price. You want to follow me? You give up everything. You pick up your cross. You deny yourself. If you're not going to hate your father or your mother, you're not worthy of following me. I mean, you just start reading all this stuff. It's like, time out. I want this kind of Jesus. I don't want this kind of Jesus. It's important to understand the story because the historical context applies to you today. It applies to me today. 
what, what God's trying to help us understand, hopefully the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, is we're the ones with the palm branches along the street saying, Hosanna, come, I want blessing and I want peace and joy. But he's just going, okay, but first we're going to start by going into your heart and dealing with your selfishness and your pride and your arrogance and the things that you've justified as it's just okay to keep doing. And I'm going to go after that. You go, I don't want that. So I'll give you what you need, not what you want. Listen, they got what they didn't want. A few years ago, I, I started working with a personal trainer. I actually fired him because I didn't want what he had to say. And I realized when I looked in the mirror, I'd obtained my goal. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I remember work. His name was Byron, just a great guy. Every time I got together with him, he'd always tell me, what I needed, not what I wanted. Hey, Mark, uh, how's your diet going? Well, ate some nachos down at Matador last night. He goes, you're not supposed to do that. Man, didn't we have a plan together? Yeah, I know, but, you know, he's going, you, you got to sometimes do what you don't want to do to become who you're supposed to become. And you just, you just always say, that. Like, I don't want to hear that. I needed to hear it, but I didn't want to hear it. He knew what was best for me even more than I knew what was best for me. Isn't it that way with Jesus? I mean, we want to pray just long enough to try to get what we want on our terms. And Jesus says, get a little closer because if you really want what you're asking for, we're going to do it on my terms. So they got what they didn't expect. They got what they didn't want. But here's the kicker, and you gotta catch this. This is the good part of the story. This is, this is what the triumphal entry and Palm Sunday is all about. They inherited what they didn't deserve. What they deserved, what you deserved, was judgment. What we deserve because of our carnal, sinful nature is separation from God. What we deserved was hell. Now, that's not popular. It's not something that we like to, how many are just, so, but it's the gospel. It's what makes the beautiful story of his entrance into the city, the triumphal entry, ultimately the cross, his burial, his resurrection come alive because you got what you didn't deserve. What you got instead was grace. You got a second chance. You got new life. You got a God that loved you despite you. I'm so glad I got one person excited about that. Come on. That's what this is. That's what the triumphal entry is all about. It's no wonder in Luke 19 where he came to the edge of, 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 the, of the city. It's the shortest scripture in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. Why? It's because everything that they wanted, he was willing to give them. but they just weren't expecting it. They didn't want it. So he wept over the city. Why? It's because they just wanted it on their own terms. Despite all of that, and listen, here, here's, here, here's the, the truth of this whole matter. We're all just like that. I'm like that. You're like that. 
That's what makes the gospel so powerful. It's this, that you get what you don't deserve. You get grace. You get eternal life. I just want to just talk about a couple of these. It's so important. The first thing that you get is you actually get the kingdom of God and all of its benefits. See, the kingdom of God's not some kind of external force. It's, it's Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God would not only come to you, but the kingdom of God would come in you. That it actually come in and give you new nature. It would give you a new identity. It would give you a new start. It would give you new hope. When you look at the word, it's just very clear. It says this. It says, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is. It says, because the kingdom of God is within you. It's so important to understand this. Listen, whatever it is that you need, you already have. Peace. Oh, Jesus, bring peace. He goes, you already have it. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. I need hope. I need God. I just feel so lonely. No, I'll never leave or forsake you. I'm, I'm right here. The kingdom of God. He came to invade your world, not to be some military leader out here. That's what the scripture's saying. It's not some kind of external force. We say, well, there it is or there it is. He goes, no, he came to invade right here. And with that comes every benefit that you ever need or desire. As you look at this too, it's important to understand that he also came to redeem us. He came to clear the score. I'm speaking to some people here this morning. He came to wipe away your guilt, your shame, your sin once and for all. If I even stop for a moment and reflected on all of the dark, vile, evil things that I did before Christ, I would be in a mental institution. I'm so grateful that when he came, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so are your sins from you. I mean, I, I, I grabbed a hold of that revelation out of survival. I'm free. It's gone. It's finished. It's paid for. I'm redeemed. Colossians 1.13 and 14 says, he rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Listen, he rescued you. He rescued you. It wasn't you coming to him. Oh, I think I'll give you a church chance, Jesus. No, he rescued you. He rescued you from a life of darkness and hopelessness and pain and hell. He rescued you. And what did he do? Triumphal entry. He, he brought you into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of the Son. One of the most beautiful things I really think is I look at this whole idea of triumphal entry is that he came to have a personal relationship with you. John 15, it talks about that he, he calls you friend. I mean, you, you have to think that when, when Jesus came into the, to the city and he's riding Eeyore and he's coming into the city, he's looking at the faces of people knowing 
listen, that he has to go to the cross and pay the price so that he could have a personal relationship with you. Hebrews 12, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You were his joy. You were what he had in mind. He wants a relationship with you. Not just kind of a 90-minute experience on the weekends. Listen, he wants to spend time with you when you're sleeping. He's praying for you when you wake up. He wants you to say good morning. He wants to be your best friend. What an amazing benefit. Listen, if you ever want a best friend, he's probably the kind of best friend you want to have. Now hear an amen. I'm thankful that he wants to bring me abundant life. He entered in so that I might live life to the full because without him, life would be mundane, hopeless, and average. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If your life, if you feel that it's average, if it's insignificant, if you feel hopeless, that's the fruit of the devil. That isn't the fruit of the spirit. That's not what God wants to bring you. It says that Jesus came to bring you life, life to the full, to bring you life more abundantly. And that's a benefit. I wake up every morning and I pinch myself. I just, I can't believe just God's goodness and blessing and favor. And not from a material perspective, just the fact that I'm saved and redeemed and I have a relationship with God and he loves me and he guides me and directs me and challenges me and all those things. I love that. It's abundant life. I don't want what the world offers out there. It's like wood, hay, and stubble. And most importantly is this. He came to bring me eternal life. It never gets old. For God so loved you. The world is you, humanity, people. He he so loved you that he gave his one and only son so that if you believe in him, have faith in him, call upon him. It says this, you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. When I think about the triumphal entry, when I think about Jesus coming into the city, I think about him coming into my world, coming close to me. I think about this idea that He may bring me what I don't expect. He might even bring me what I don't want. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that I got what I didn't deserve. I'm thankful that I got what I didn't deserve. Would you do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes? Every campus, if you just wouldn't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes. I just want to stop for a moment. I recognize that there's people from all different walks of life sitting in every one of our campuses, people online sitting at home or maybe driving even in a car right now. And maybe as you think about it, you recognize yourself along the street you recognize that maybe 
It's not the kind of God that you expect nor the kind of God that you want, but bigger truth of all is you realize he wants to give you what you don't deserve. Jesus loves you so much that he came to die and pay the penalty of your mistakes and sins so that you don't have to. He made it so easy, yet we make it so hard. He says, if you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he says, you'll be saved. Everything we just talked about, the reason why he came, he says, those are all available for you. But it starts with a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here on any one of our campuses, you're online, and you recognize that you need him in your life. You need to put down your palm branch. You need to just kind of lean in, say, God, I need you today. Would you do me a favor? Would you just lift your hand, all eyes closed, every head bow, every campus. If you're here, just say, you know, Mark, you're speaking to me today. Would you just lift your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Every campus, come on, just take a moment. Service hosts, would you help me on every campus as you see these hands going up? Just do me a favor on every campus. Lift your hand up. If you're listening online, just even type into the service host right now. We want to give you something. It's, it's, a, it's, it's just a, a, a beautiful little discipleship book that will help you in your journey with Jesus. Come on, just keep your hands up till the service hosts help. Thank you, thank you. Hands all over. There's one in the back over here too, right behind you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hand up. Anyone else? Just take a moment, any campus. Come on, MCs, if you can help me. Would you pray with me, church family, for these wonderful people on every campus, those that are listening online, that decided to follow Jesus today? Lord, we thank you. Lord, your word says that all of the angels in heaven rejoice when a soul is saved. God, we rejoice today, God, that you brought these beautiful people into our path. Lord, we pray today that you just come and come into their heart, come into their life. God, remove the guilt and the shame. Father, forgive them of their sins. Come and be their Lord and Savior. And Lord, we trust today the end result even of this prayer is new life abundant life, eternal life for every person that prayed this prayer for the first time. Can I hear an amen?